Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Tom Ross, CEO of Ango Systems, to the show today. Tom, welcome. Thank you, Ben. I'm very excited and happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. So before we dive into some of the questions, let's talk, first start with a little bit about your SaaS background. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, got started with Ango here back in 2014 when, when we founded the company. Um, you know, originally we didn't start off as a SaaS company. We were a contracting company, agency work, trading time for money, building solutions mm -hmm. bit by bit. Um, over that, we sort of evolved into, you know, subject matter experts and became more consultants, you know, professional services of that side. And then really that, that SaaS conversion happened around 2019. And so, so this, this really was uh, kind of my, my introduction into SaaS. And of course, you know, you're, you're always in, in the tech industry aware of it and, and the knowledge of it, but, but it really was sort of a baptism by fire as we kind of dove into that um, fully as far as, you know, the, the world of SaaS and, and uh, the whole different uh, mm -hmm. metrics and, and uh, items there that, that you're, you know, you're, you're the expert on and stuff. And so that, that really was, was the beginning of, of my SaaS journey, sort of from, from that real life experience. Yeah, interesting. And now your background, Tom, I mean, are you technical? Were you business? Like where, where, did, where are your roots? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I'm on the business side of things. So my co-founder is, is our CTO and he handles, you know, the, the back of house, the engineering side of things. And so for, for the first few years, it was myself and, you know, like eight or nine engineers. Um, and so I, uh, I graduated university here, College of Commerce, uh, University mm -hmm. of Saskatchewan, and uh, I've been on, on kind of lean towards more of that sales side, that customer support side of things there. Uh, and so it was a really nice compliment, um, you know, to manage really the front of house uh, aspects of all, all things business as, as we grew and scaled and uh, having a partner that, uh, you know, took care of the back end, you know, had a sound solid product. Okay. Because I saw on LinkedIn, it says CEO, but you're also original co-founder with your CTO. That is correct. That is correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he he actually started, interesting enough, he started this project as, as, as an independent contractor and we sort of expanded on that. And then we've evolved over time, you know, into to that SaaS company that we are today. And so um, when we formed this in 2014, it's sort of like a reoccurring theme. It's really about like the pursuit of opportunity. You know, there, there was some interesting work. It was growing beyond what he was interested in doing as an individual. And so we wanted to formalize it and put some structure around it. And, and then really also to like, you know, capture the opportunity. Right, that was sort of the main thesis, and so as as we nurtured and grew that, that that's where I got involved, and then we we formalized it and formed a company around it, and um, yeah, that that's when we started all the way back in 2014, which is like a hundred years in in startup world, right? So, that's what it seems like. Yeah, so many yeah, new startups. Yeah. So interesting. So you started founded in 2014, but started as an agency and yeah. then converted into SaaS, and you see that a lot. It seems like services businesses, agency businesses. You know, a lot of time, you know, trading that time for money and then try to convert that or, to, yeah, productize that that knowledge. Absolutely. No, no different here, really. And, and again, you kind of that theme about like sort of pursuing that opportunity and, and recognizing like the, the significance of the problem that we were solving. Right. It, it wasn't unique to a couple individuals. This this was mm. was sort of and we'll dive into to what we're doing yeah. a little bit later, but but specifically around. This, this was challenges, the, the solution that we were developing and tools that we were developing addressed a challenge that, that was ubiquitous across, you know, pick an industry, any sort of hourly staff. Mm -hmm. And so when we recognized that opportunity and, and sort of pursued it, that's, that's where then, you know, the maturity of the tools and, and the solutions that we're developing, our expertise, you know, basically, and then also just a great way to fund, you know, the, the initial iterations of, of, of yep. the platform and the program, right, is getting customers to pay for it. And so 
that was, um, you know, I, I say in, in one regard, we never set out to, to, to be where we are today, but, but at the same time, we, we also did, right? It was also about realizing and, and uh, actualizing this opportunity that was before us. And so that, that's sort of what led us to this path. But, you know, you can kind of connect the dots looking back, but if, if I'm being honest with myself, you know, what, what we thought, what we were going to do and the purpose of what we're going to do, you know, it sort of morphed in, into something more than, than what we'd originally thought, which, which is exciting, right? So, yeah. Yeah, really excited. And I love that, right? You saw that pattern wasn't unique to a couple of individuals. I see that a lot in SAS finance accounting, same, yeah. same thing over and over, you know, and then you can apply that pattern and, and, and create more out of that. So yeah, really interesting. So tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about Ango. What, what, what does it do? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what Ango provides, the, the value that we're providing to market is, is around automation of, of um, HR workflows, specifically around filling vacant shifts. So Ango is a shift fill automation provider. Um, so what, what does that mean? Great. Some nice words. What does that really mean? And, and um, what, what it means is that, you know, as um, the difference between sort of to understand the, the category that we play in, like mm-hmm. a lot of folks are familiar with scheduling, right? Mm-hmm. Scheduling services, scheduling systems, you know, creating that, that master plan, having that in that schedule and, um, you know, having it there for, for all to see. What, what staffing is, is really your day of logistics. What happens in the moment, the day of, you know, the, 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 the plan schedule. And, and particularly what we're focused on is really around the, the real-time, effective management of the real-time movement of, of your people. And so, you know, as folks call in sick or as folks miss work for various reasons, uh, what we've found is that the processes to find those replacements for those shifts um, is, is incredibly, surprisingly manual, right? Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is, is like phone calls in to, to sort of a central office or a manager. And then, you know, staffing departments looking through and matching, you know, okay, who's eligible to work, who can replace it. And then, then sending out communications to those folks on a one-to-one basis, or maybe they're using group communications, things like that. And so, so when we really talk about, you know, there's that scheduling piece, there's the staffing piece, and it's that same day aspect and, and really around the real-time movement of your staff. And so Ango is able to automate that. We're able to automate that, that entire process in line with these organizational and, and collective requirements. And so we, we, we work primarily in healthcare. Um, okay. there, there's other applications there, um, manufacturing, you know, public sector, things like that. But, but in healthcare, just the example of like, so when a nurse calls in sick, you, you need to find a replacement. You can't go without, right? And so the requirements mm-hmm. and structure around finding the, an, a, uh, the, the right person to work that shift is, is, is complicated, right? And so this is where, you know, Ango's rules engine and, and logic can filter through your, your eligible employees to, to kind of identify that list of, of uh, eligible applicants. And then, then we send out communications via text message, phone call, email, however, however they want to be notified, they have control mm-hmm. over that. Uh, they, they respond to that. And then Ango can, can look at the, the list of, of respondents and, and select and identify the most suitable one. And so we're able to automate that entire process that you know, previously took 35 minutes to complete manually down to you know, zero time or, or maybe two minutes if, if you, know, you want that, that sort of human touch at the end. And um, what's really interesting, Ben, is that uh, the, the tailwinds of, of COVID here have, have been incredibly strong for us. You know, mm-hmm. we've, um, it's, this problem's always been there, right? Um, and like I said, this problem isn't unique to healthcare. It, it, it's present in any sort of situation where, you know, you're delivering a critical service, you, you have staff that you need to replace if, if they're not going to be able to make it in. And so what ended up happening, though, is, is like uh, initially our, our biggest issue or biggest competitor, what I would call the status quo. It's like, oh, we have a process mm-hmm. for that. You know, like that's, that, that's all fine and good. We have tools that can do that. We have a room full of people working on fax machines and phones to, to get this thing done. And you're like, oh, okay, well, 
doesn't really sound like it's working. Um, but but what ended up happening during the pandemic is that you know those those status that status quo got strained, right? It got put through the ringer. Um, one of our customers, you know, typically you have about five percent of your staff are, are missing on, on a given day, mm-hmm. right? Like so, they call in sick. Well, during the pandemic, that that doubled, right? So you went up to about ten thousand, or sorry, up to ten percent. Mm-hmm. And so you know, one of our customers, they had three thousand vacancies in a single day. Right, like this is a large health system in the U.S. They had three thousand vacancies in, in a single day, and so if you can imagine the manual effort it takes to receive three thousand phone calls, update the schedule three thousand times, and then mm-hmm. you know call that out, it, it's significant, right? And so this is where that value is, and so um, you know you're, you're at that sort of inflated rate of, of um, vacancies, but then you also have uh, with the staffing crisis in healthcare, particularly every day these organizations are starting each day, you know, eight to ten percent short, so you have like 18 to 20% of your shifts vacant that you're relying to manually fill. And these are incredible cost drivers of these budgets that, that are just sort of being done manually. And then the last thing I want to sort of say, just this evolution is that, um, you know, what the pandemic has done is, is it sort of stressed the need and the importance for insights and analytics on, uh, on, on what's happening in the moment. Right. Um, and so C-suite's asking like, hey, how are we doing today? And, and a lot of these like, you know, scheduling systems aren't able to provide you with that real-time responsiveness in terms of like, hey, here's, here's who's sick, here's who's out. And, and, and the other thing too, you know, with, with Ango, one of our models is sort of like you know, internal employees first, like find replacements internally first. And a big part of that is um, you know, integrating across different systems so that we can have that holistic view of, of everything that's going on within an organization. And what I mean by that, an example of this is like, say you have a unit that has, you know, is out 10 people in a specific day and you have another unit that's out, you know, two people in a specific day. Well, in terms of like strategically, well, let's prioritize filling a few of these shifts so that this, this unit can get up to, you know, operational baseline, mm-hmm. you know, before we start filling these other ones. And, and if you're all siloed and, and managers are working independently, you don't have that visibility. And so this, this was sort of a nice byproduct is that central hub of all these these sick calls coming in, you get that data, you get that insight, you can act more strategically in terms of leveraging your existing resources first, and then you can, you know, access and, and uh, efficiently communicate out to, to your other employees. So long, long breakdown by me, but, but it's something yeah. that I'm excited yeah. about as far as the outcomes there. So yeah, obviously passionate, of course. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, of course, a lot of scheduling systems out there, which you see, but I like you mentioned, it's like that real time scheduling, the day of scheduling people calling yeah. in sick, not showing up. Now, how do we get replacements in there? Because they say like healthcare, right? You can't just have, you know, nurses, you know, not backfilling those open vacant positions for that day. So really interesting, that nuance there. And I could exactly. see the pandemic, right? Something like, hey, status quo, we're fine, we're fine. And now, yeah. right that acute, now it becomes that acute pain point, you know. Absolutely. You, couldn't, you can't ignore it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a top three problem. If you look at Becker's or anything like that, you know, staffing mm-hmm. is, is a top three problem for these organizations. And I was going to ask industries because I was used to be in the airline industry and I knew scheduling, huge complex issue with yeah. flight attendants, pilots, you know, aircraft having to be in certain maintenance spaces on certain times, just that complexity. And it just like these programs would run overnight, figure out all the shift scheduling. Uh, So really interesting, but you said primarily healthcare, some manufacturing, any other niches that you go after? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I talk about healthcare manufacturing, those are ICP focused, you know, Mm -hmm. like our third, our third bucket is whoever calls us um, just because we can't (laughs) boil the ocean, right. We can't go after everything. But what we see, like, again, a lot of this value comes from, 
you know, when you see these, these organizations delivering a critical service um, and, and, and usually with some complex operating requirements. So, you know, I kind of describe what, what a unionized environment would look like, yeah. right? Now, now this yeah. isn't unique to unions. We have non-union customers as well. Um, but, but that's usually sort of a, a good indicator of, hey, this is probably something that could benefit from, from our service. Um, in terms of like, you know, specific verticals, like additionally, yeah, public sector is a big one. Uh, municipalities uh, fall sort of within that. Okay. Um, you look at like service and distribution, um, retail, and in particular with retail, some of the complexity that's being added to scheduling requirements just around some of the fair work week legislation that you're seeing being rolled out throughout the country. You see it in New York, Illinois, California, of course. And so this, this has added this complexity that now what you're seeing a lot of times is you have managers these highly paid managers that, that are spending their time, you know, multiple hours a day working on, you know, navigating some of these requirements and complexities. And this is where Ango can come in and automate these workflows for you so that you're compliant, but then also your employees gain mm -hmm. all this accessibility and all this flexibility around their schedule. And, and as they say, you know, flexibility is the new currency as far yeah. as, you know, providing this uh, service to, to your members. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, coming from the airlines and the unions and the work rules, which, you know, then you have to add all that logic to to the yeah. system. Plus, maybe Starbucks is going to need you with some of their unionized movements and some of their stories. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have to get them on the prospect list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so company founded 2014, kind of satisfied around 2019. And now where, where are you guys located? Do you have a headquarters? You wrote? Yeah, so so we are remote, you know, like our, our workforce has definitely become more um I guess, dispersed you know, over the pandemic. Uh, but, but our main concentration, our headquarters is located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So that, that's in, in Canada here in the Great White North. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, this is, this is where we're based out of. We just actually moved into to a new office to accommodate our, our growing team. Okay, great. And then, yeah, tell me about your team size, say employees, you know, full-time contractors, how much staff? Uh... So, so yeah, we, we have 60 employees right now, um, you know, in 2019, when the pandemic hit, we were at 17 employees. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of had some significant growth here since then. And yeah, yeah, up to 60 with, with plans to, you know, add another five to 10 seats. We, we did a lot of growth kind of um, in, in, in anticipation of this raise uh, that, that we just completed. And so that, that was um, a big, yeah. big focus in Q1 and Q2. And so now, now we're sort of more in, into that, that execution mode of adding sort of key strategic pieces at this point. Yeah. Okay. So right now, 60 employees, six zero, but at, at the pandemic hit, you're around 16, 17 employees and then grew up to 60 right now. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's great. And then anything you want to share around, say, you know, revenue range, ARR size, anything you want to share there? Totally. totally. The scale your company? Yeah. Happy to give, give a range there. You know, we're between five and 10 million ARR. Okay. Where we're at. All right. Perfect. And then, you know, I always find it you know, fascinating with SaaS companies, you know, so many different go-to-market motions. So tell me, you know, is this like ACV, is this a low price point product, high price point, you know, mid-market, you know, because yeah. it kind of affects your go-to-market motion. So tell us a little bit about how you you prospect and, and go to market with your product. Totally, totally. So so the solution that we provide here at Ango, you know, around shiftful automation, the biggest value that it creates is, is around like in environments with high volume. And so Characteristically, these these are what we would consider enterprise accounts. Mm -hmm. You know, like five thousand and more. And mm -hmm. so, if you're familiar with like enterprise sales, you know, like I, I like a lot of things about my business. Um, one thing I don't like about my business is the long sales cycle in serving <laughs> this industry. You know, uh, and 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 a lot of that is is you know I, you know accept the reality of it. But um, so knowing that we're selling into enterprise organizations, long sales cycles, right? There, there's multiple touch points. It really takes community. Um, as far as you know, 
advisors and connections and, and you need you need sort of that that groundswell of support within you know the other organization there for that um, there's really three main buckets that we look at when we talk about our go-to-market strategy specific with enterprise uh, one is direct sales and so that that's our own pipeline and um, we've, we've connected with a number of, of uh, one, one firm in particular that's been super helpful just as far as you know setting up those those uh, outbound um, I guess structure and mechanics around you know contacting and connecting and so kind of just getting it all all set up so that you know our connections integrated within LinkedIn and, and our known contacts and sort of developing that and that, that's creating kind of a reliable source of leads. Um, the other one is is channel partners and so we we talked about these these big scheduling systems and and so we're we're quite friendly with with these scheduling systems you know we're we're essentially like an automation layer that they can add within their their ecosystem to provide this service to their customers and so. So that that really drives you know a, a large part of our business. I think around like thirty five to forty percent of our pipeline is made up of opportunities from our pipeline, or sorry, from from our channel partners. And so that's that that's a big piece there. And then the other one here that we're moving into is is more of just like existing upsells, um, like from from our customers. So our our, our platform, you know. We, we sort of transitioned and in, in are positioning it more as, as a solution and a solution that has these multiple components. Um, you, you can break it down and there are a number of different modules. And, and one of the value adds that we provide is to sort of be able to drive efficiencies so that these organizations can actually schedule for more people. Often you find in these enterprise organizations, there, there's sometimes like a central staffing office and that central staffing office is scheduling for, you know, say it's a 30,000 person organization, the central staffing office could be scheduling for 10,000 people. Uh-huh. Why is it not 30? Well, well, usually it's budget, it's, it's, it's capabilities, it's, it's capacity. And so Ango comes in, we, we increase their capacity. So now that, that office can go from say 10,000 to 15,000 and that, that's a big increase of headcount and stuff like that, right? And which helps us in terms of, of on, on, on the revenue side. And so those, those are the big ones there. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of like direct selling, like I said, relationship building, you know, during the pandemic being in market wasn't as important, but, but that's starting to come back. We're finding. And, and of course, you, you know, you're, you're building some long-term relationships here and, and that, that's hard to do over zoom and stuff. Uh-huh. And so looking to be more, more sort of boots on the ground uh, moving forward in each of those different areas. Okay. So three, and I could talk about this forever, but yeah. we, we have only so much time, but three buckets here. So direct sales, that outbound motion yeah. channel partners, making up a significant part of this. And I also focus on just expanding that existing customer base. And we talked about your industries, right? Healthcare, manufacturing, a bunch of others, but the persona that you are reaching after into these orgs where they're big enough, where it's actually, are you talking to an actual staffing scheduling department? Are you talking to HR? Like what kind of titles are you reaching out to here? No, that's a great question, Ben. And there's a saying in healthcare. It's like, if you've sold into one hospital, you've sold into one hospital, like, and, and so that's all that means, right? So it's, it's very, very different. So uh, not, not to kind of like skirt, skirt the question, yeah. typically who we're looking for is operations, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's it. And, and um, director level or higher is, is what we're targeting. Um, every organization is different. Sometimes operations falls under HR. Yeah. Um, sometimes HR is purely just sort of labor relations, you know, kind of union stuff there. Um, other things around like operations, particularly like the scheduling portfolio. And so, this is where there's, there's a whole lot of navigation that goes on, you know? So when we look at, you know, staffing, we look at scheduling, we look at operations, we look at HR, sort of do a broad approach that way in terms of a, a market scan. From there, then we're looking at directors, VPs, you know, folks mm-hmm. that uh, have, have those titles in those areas. And, and, then, and then we kind of 
see what 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 lands and what's effective for those organizations and then kind of build that organizational map as as we're sort of doing those 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 outreach and those discovery calls just to see where it all plays and so there's been quite a bit of variety Um, but but the consistent thing is is operations the variety is is where does operations live within that org structure so yeah okay love that and then let's talk about funding. So you recently raised a 5.6 million Series A. How much capital have you raised to date now? So so we that was our first raise. Um, oh, first, okay. Yeah, we've been bootstrapped since 2014 all the way through to 2022. Um, and uh, yeah, finally took the plunge, did, did our Series A here uh, and, uh, and, and made the raise. Okay. And so the next question, so bootstrapped up to this point, so the first outside money raised. So what did you see as triggers, milestones that you, Tom, as the co-founder CEO said, hey, I think it's time to inject a little money into the business and accelerate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was was sort of two things. And again, like kind of just going back to my earlier comments, it's, it's the same theme. It's the same thing that got this whole thing started. It's the same thing that expanded us from like contractors to consultants. And it was really like the pursuit of an opportunity. Um, this particular opportunity that we were talking about. So we're a Canadian-based company. We got mm-hmm. a strong footing and, and, and strong market here in Canada. Um, but but we just at, at the time, you know, had signed a, a U.S. customer, and um, recognizing the opportunity here. And, and this this really was was you know I mentioned we were 17 people before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, during the pandemic, you know, our, we we got really busy. Um, incredibly busy, grew significantly. And as fast as we were growing and as much as things were coming in, the opportunity before us was growing faster than we were. And so we needed to accelerate our growth to keep up with, with that opportunity. And that, that was kind of the thesis behind it. Um, specifically too, it, it takes a lot of capital to really you know, scale and grow a SaaS company, particularly when, when you're building out your, your customer success functions, you're building out you know, your upsells, your, your product functions, all these different things. If I look back to our earlier days, it, like I said, it was, it was a room full of engineers and myself. You got to manage everything else, right? Well, that, that, that doesn't scale. Um, it, it got us, you know, to kind of that, that proof of concept, that MVP, and then we were able to build off that. And now as, as we sort of need to, to kind of round out our organization with all these other functional areas, we needed, uh, we needed capital to do so. The, the other one too, though, to be perfectly honest, the thesis behind it was, was um, to kind of find a one plus one equals three situation. Um, we, we were profitable. I say we were profitable by a dollar by design. You know, we were spending uh-huh. everything we were making to, to grow. But, um, you know, we, we were looking for a value-add investor, someone who knew the, the market, someone who had operating experience scaling a company and someone who was familiar with sort of our ICPs. Uh, and so, so those, those two things, one, the pursuit of the opportunity, the ability to connect with, with some expertise to really help accelerate and grow. And um, with, with sort of this overall goal of, of expanding like a, a large portion of our, our, our value here, um, organizational enterprise value, you know, is, is going to be based on our ability to, to execute in the U.S. Just, just like any sort of, you know, Canadian SaaS company. So we're no different. Yeah, so really interesting because it seemed like, all right, you, you probably saw some product for market fit. You had some fit there. And then it was yeah. almost maybe like intuitive sense or gut feeling that it's like, gosh, I just see that opportunity that is out there that we can just go capture. And I felt that kind of some of the stuff I do, it's like just the market is growing. There's just so much going on that, you know, we, we, we have a product that does work and now we, we need to just push it out more. Totally, totally. And, and, and to that point, it kind of like, you know, you look back at like sort of like key moments, right? It sort of crystallized for us when we did get our first U.S. customer and, and recognize, okay, here it is. It's, it's proven, right? Just more of that validation. You know it, you have this, this, this business that's been, you know, 
supported all the way through. And, and the other thing I want to highlight too is, is that um, we actually have like just the stickiness of our solution. Like, so since inception, you know, since all of our growth and all of our awkward growth years, you know, we, we've maintained hundred percent logo retention um, through, throughout this whole thing. So mm-hmm. anyone who's ever started to work with Ango has, it continues to do so to this day. And so it speaks to the sort of the need for the technology, but it also like speaks to the sort of our, our service level, you know, that, that we provide to our, our customers as well. Yeah. I love that. Love that. And so as far as lessons, any tips, you know, for the audience, as far as going through this round or, or maybe previous fundraising experiences, any, any lessons that you'd like to pass on to the, to the SaaS founder community uh, that might help them for a future raise? Totally. Totally. So I, I got a couple things that stand out and when this is one too. So, so we went through an accelerator when, when we um, uh, called CTA Canadian technology accelerator, um, digital health, uh, that, that was, that was launched. And, and, and one thing we got was like, a, we got a lot of advice and some of it was like contradictory and conflicting. Right. And so that was um, one thing was like, well, where, where do you go here? But, but I think, I think like some of our advisors talked to us and said, well, that, that's a good thing. You're generating these, these responses from people who are knowledgeable and have these opinions. And so that that's the positive, but ultimately this is your company. This is your story. This is what you need to decide. So you need to like take those as data points. And I remember you know, wholly feeling completely inadequate going through those processes, getting that feedback, right? And so I guess just to kind of like, you're, you're doing good. This is your story. Be confident. You need to be coachable, right? You need to be coachable mm-hmm. and take advice, but but you also need to be able to know which advice to kind of put on the shelf and park and take in pieces, right? It's sort of this, this nuanced thing there. Um, the other thing that we worked a lot on, like as far as advice that I invest other, recommend other folks to, to do mm-hmm. here in, in a similar stage is, is really storytelling. Really, you know, what is that narrative? What is that story that um, that that you're telling the investors about about yourself? Um, and and I remember, you know, going through the formula, googling and, and looking at all, you know, all the things that you do as far as like putting together that deck, putting together mm-hmm. presentations. Like, oh, I got to talk about TAM. I got to talk about growth. I got to talk about team traction. All this other stuff. But but it was really kind of like siloed pieces that didn't really flow. And as I got good, or as, as I don't know if I'm good, but as as I had more reps. I kind of recognize what worked and what didn't. And, and it really was like sort of these, these themes tied together through storytelling. And it's not unlike selling, right? I mean, selling is, is like stories retain way more knowledge than sort of facts and words and stuff. And so being able to, what is your story? Do you have a compelling story? You know, weave in all these other elements into that story. And, that, and that's, that's one thing that, that really kind of was a switch for us to, to mm-hmm. we got pretty good at connecting, you know, now, mm-hmm. We were very fortunate. Like I said, we were bootstrapped, so we didn't have that financial pressure to raise. And so we, we took our time. We, we met with a lot of people. And, and meeting with a lot of people also allowed me to get more at-bats, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of pitching and talking. And so that really helped build that story, that narrative. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's whatever it is, this Yogi Berra saying, you know, it's, it's 90% luck and 50% hard work, you know, and, and I certainly believe that, right. As far as like all those connections go there. So anyway, those, yeah. those are kind of the two things. Like it's, it's, it's your company, you know, take that feedback, be coachable, uh, but then also, you know, figure out what that compelling story is that, that folks can, can resonate that resonates with, with folks. Yeah, that's great. And surprisingly uh, or not here yet yeah, storytelling comes up all the time with the founders I talk to yeah. is right. Yeah. Like you said, pitch that kind of siloed, but connecting those points together to tell, to help that tell you that, tell the overall story, you know? So yeah, really, really common, totally. common there- theme. So there's a company. So like we've, you know, it's been a while. So we went through diligence. And so like, I haven't done the pitch deck here for a while. And I got invited to speak at an AGM or one of our funds AGMs and, and a couple of the other portfolio companies, one of them's ramping up to raise. 
and you can tell that they they've got that story and how they weave in these elements and it, it's tight and, and and me i felt like i'm i'm out of shape i'm out of pitch shape you know because i haven't done it for a while right and so you kind of like use it or lose it but boy it, it's it's a beautiful thing when, when you see that come together and you see that story and you see mm-hmm. it weave in all of these elements that that they're looking for and uh it's just it's it's, it's wonderful that's great yeah so get a lot of reps there uh, so as we wrap up here, tell us what's what's next for for Ango. What's what's exciting on the horizon? Yeah, yeah. So so we we've signed multiple U.S. customers. We're just in the process of, of uh, onboarding and, and and launching them, which is incredibly exciting for us. Um, you know, from from a horizon standpoint, when you look at a product roadmap, if we look at the vision, there's just sort of like three horizons that we're thinking of. Um, we've talked today a little bit about automation and the value that it creates, right? It saves a ton and ton of time, administrative time, provides accessibility, flexibility, all those great benefits, visibility. The one limitation of this technology in its current form though, is that it is reactive, right? It is dependent on that employee calling in sick to then trigger all of these workflows, which are automated, which, which, you know, folks are willing to pay for. Um, where, where we want to move is, is becoming more, more proactive on that front. Right. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like, forecasting, okay, what's, what's going to happen Thursday night, what's going to happen Friday night. And I think you see a lot, you see a lot of this, particularly in healthcare, you know, like patient acuity demands, you know, patient forecasting, things like that, as far as, you know, work there. And that's great. Where Ango is uniquely positioned though, is, is really understanding that demand requirement, right? Like what's going to come up? What is that unexpected staffing requirements day Mm -hmm. of, right? Like that's where our data set is, is sort of geared towards, but just as importantly is like, what's your staff's likely response to that fluctuating change in demand, right? So there's there's a there's a treasure trove of information that we're you know just moving into phase two of our data strategy, which is super exciting. Yeah, that that is really exciting. So it sounds like you could say, hey, in this industry, it's a Saturday, it's December, and based yeah. on maybe some other factors, like hey, we're predicting actually your no-show rate is going to be ten percent, and it usually trends four percent. You know, so yes. be prepared. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Highlight things so you can go like you know fight fires in the future instead of waiting for them to be a scramble day of, right? And if you have chronic yeah. shifts that are difficult to fill, or you have you know a, a, a group of, of staff members that that are reliably you know, avoiding Sundays, you know, you, you mm-hmm. can sort of gain some of these insights and, and gain some of that pieces. And then, and then the third horizon there. So that's the second mm-hmm. one. Third horizon mm-hmm. is like recognizing that, you know, and Ango isn't 3d printing more employees. Right. And, and um, in this sort of like in climate, like there's, there's going to be shifts where you don't have people for it. Right. Ango is going to be able to deliver that answer to you very effectively and efficiently, but what do you do then? You know? And, and so what a lot of folks do, what a lot of organizations do is they turn to external labor pools. Like, mm-hmm. So agency centers, right. Whether it's a big thing in healthcare mm-hmm. manufacturing as well. And so, you know, for, for us then at Ango, it's like, well, we could be that bridge into those, those labor pools. We're not, we're not the staffing agencies. We operate upstream from them, right. We're getting that open shift at the point it's created in the schedule. And then we're working to fill it internally first. Um, again, it's about providing optionality to our customers saying, Hey, Listen, if if this thing doesn't get filled with your own staff, do you want to go to these these other pieces there? And so so then with with Ango, you know, every shift is getting filled mm-hmm. first with your own employees, if if not there, and we're doing it sort of in an automated way that that drives efficiencies there. So that that's really excited to sort of um, you know make make some progress on on those horizons and uh, gain some traction there. Yeah, that that is really exciting. I'll, I'll have you on in, in another year, maybe we'll right talk on, about right on, you know these new initiatives. So yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, so Tom, really appreciate your time today. Love the story. Love what's going on at Ango. And uh, if if folks want to learn more about your company, where where should we send them? 
Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again, Ben, for, for the opportunity. Sincerely. Um, if you want to check out more about Ango, our website's a great spot, angosystems.com. Um, social media in terms of active on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, again, all Ango systems. And uh, you, you'll be able to track and follow us there um, on, on those, those mediums there. Okay, perfect. So check out Tom and Ango at angosystems.com. So Tom, really appreciate your time today and sharing your story. Thank you, Ben.